0: So April got me, actually, officially, she got our daughter an ultrasonic cleaner. I think it's by coincidence, really. I think it's really fast, but... Wait, can, wait,
1: wait. What of your daughters needs to be ultrasonically cleaned? Does she already need glasses?
0: No, she's... Her parents are filthy so-and-sos. Okay, so now you have an ultrasonic cleaner. Yes. And? You've never heard of these No, these I had things. I had never heard of such a thing. I thought you must... You you have wear glasses. So when you... Go to opticians. Do you never see people just hand just hand them their glasses, and they give them back, what look like new glasses?
1: No, I have never seen this or done this. They've
0: just been ultrasonically cleaned. Oh, I actually just squirt hand soap on my glasses and wash them in the sink. You're not meant to. I thought hand soap damages the coating on the lens. Does it? Okay, well I, that's all I've been doing for the past like entirety of my life. It's shaped like a glasses case. You fill it with water, put your glasses in. A drop of washing up liquid, it'll just shake all the dirt off at some ultrasonic frequency. Yes, I think it's 43,000. So, are you selling these? Are you getting commission? Yeah, come to my place. I'll, I'll do your glasses. <laughs> Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Bring any jewelry that you have, earrings.
1: <laughs> I'll bring my earrings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: great. <laughs> you might have piercings elsewhere. You know, whatever you have, studs, whatever. Bring them over. So, that's what I was doing on Saturday. You're cleaning all the things. Clean all the things. <laughs>
1: Good story.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So excited. It's it's one of those things you think, oh, we'll always have to take it to the shop. You never think to, oh, we'll just buy one for ourselves at home. We should talk about something else. All right. You watch Star Trek Discovery. Why is it such a big
1: deal? Because it's a new Star Trek TV show after, when was the last one? Oh, Enterprise. I'd almost managed to forget about Enterprise. I was going to say Voyager, but yeah. Hmm. When did Enterprise finish? not know. Enterprise didn't even make it to seven seasons. I didn't even watch the last season of Enterprise. That's how little I cared about it. Yeah, I was a big Star Trek fan. I used to like Star Trek a lot. What was wrong with Enterprise for a Star Trek fan? To be honest, it's just... I just don't really like prequels a lot of the time. Because you know how it's going to end. You know, you, you've got very limited space to work with. You've got to work within the confines of the existing canon. Or you've got to throw the canon out the window. I was going to say I'm not super keen on Discovery, but Discovery's gone kind of nuts because they just seem to not respect canon at all. It just seems to be a completely new reinterpretation, which is actually fine. It would actually be fine if they said that, but they've actually said explicitly it is a prequel, which is kind of odd because the Klingons are completely different, like their whole culture is completely different, their language is completely different, the ships are completely different, they've got this Discovery. Well, I've only watched the first two episodes. Also, it's really dumb. I'm sorry, but minor spoilers for episodes one and two of discovery there's a bit where they decide they want to try and capture one of the klingons and so they send a boarding party over to the klingon ship and the boarding party is made up of the captain and the first officer that's the stupidest thing imaginable you would not send the two most senior officers on the ship in the boarding party to capture some dude on an enemy ship you would send a security team why, why would you send... I mean, these are the least qualified people. You know what? Okay, prime example, we need to kill Osama Bin Laden. Let's send Barack Obama, because he's in charge, right? No! You would send freaking
0: SEAL Team 6. So what happened? Are you, are, you, are you allowed to spoil a bit more? The captain gets killed. <laughs> oh, who could have seen that coming? Anyway, yeah.
1: So I watched it. I haven't written it off yet, but... I'm not sure. I mean, these are kind of like scene setting episodes anyway, because it's called Star Trek Discovery. And they haven't even got to the Discovery, which is the ship that the rest of the show is going to be on. So there's still time. I had some fun Splatfest. I had to ask you what this was like three times. I was like, what's Splatfest? And then you told me. And then the next day I was like, but what's Splatfest? And you had to tell me again. I was like, oh, yeah, you did tell
0: me that. Splatoon 2, Splatfest sides, these are it's a timed event, so over a period of time you pick a side, take part in a turf war, and over time they'll pick you know, depending on the success of those sides, they'll be a winner but that's not too interesting the real interesting part is which side would you have chosen so give me the options, the first one is cake v ice cream cake is this a controversial choice I would have gone with ice cream (sighs) do you know who
1: won? I think ice cream won. You did a little fist pump there. But cake is just so much better. There's just so many more kinds of cake.
0: Has that evolved over time? Have you always preferred cake?
1: Maybe I preferred ice cream when I was a child and had no taste.
0: I'm moving that way as well. I'm preferring cake more but not enough. There's just so many kinds of cake. You can just get cake and just put loads of cream on it. And it's just so delicious. There's so many kinds of ice cream. Yeah, but they're all kind of the same. We can move on. We can move on.
1: Mayo v. Ketchup. This is a tough one. I think mayo is the classy answer, but I actually kind of like ketchup. Is mayo a classy answer? Mayo is far classier than ketchup. I think mayo is a more versatile condiment than ketchup. Really? I like ketchup with chips and, like, fish and chips, which is also chips. But other than that, mayo probably. Like, mayo on sandwiches. Mayo with chips itself is good. Mayo with steak. Yeah, mayo with steak. Really? Yeah, delicious. Mayo's just got, you know, general richness. I was going to go with mayo
0: anyway. All right, you're already a classy guy. This is a new one. Front roll versus back roll. Now, I was confused by this, because I thought this was like a forward
1: roll or a backwards roll, like, you know, the acrobatics move. But this is actually, does the toilet paper hang at the front of the toilet roll, or does it hang at the back of the toilet roll? I don't actually care. I'm really indifferent. I know people on Reddit feel really strongly that it should be at the front.
0: I don't really care. Because you don't have to do it. Because I don't have to do it. What's if you had to do it? What's that, my own toilet roll? Yeah.
1: I guess it's going to be the front. If you're at a hotel and they fold it into the little triangle, so it's always at the front, isn't it?
0: I've never been to a hotel that does that.
1: <laughs> really? What hotels have you been staying at? You've never lived till you've gone to a hotel where they fold the toilet paper into a little triangle. <laughs>
0: Never been to. The- <laughs> honestly, <laughs>
1: never, honestly, never been to a hotel like this.
0: No, I've never done that. You should have to put it in myself. Jeez, I'm trying to recall it. I'm gonna look out for it though next time. Yeah, you look out for it. I think most hotels do this. It's not like a five
1: star thing. This is a. Is it a one star hotel? No, then it's gonna fold the toilet paper into a little triangle.
0: Yeah, maybe Travelodge doesn't. Oh neither does Premier Inn. <laughs> Sorry, Travelodge and Premier Inn. I'm gonna stop putting those triangles in now. Okay, so what's your vote? Front roll. Yeah, if I put it in, it's a front roll. Otherwise, it doesn't make a difference to me. Well, that was a pointless waste of time. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Father Ting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we are a book club for games, but not today.
1: Today, we are just going to talk about stuff.
0: As much as we can. Gaming stuff in general. So it's been a while since we've talked about what we've been playing. I have finally finished Zelda Breath of the Wild. I fear it's maybe too late.
1: You mentioned this ages ago. Two weeks ago. That you'd finished it. Anything particularly notable about your
0: finishing it? No, I I was thinking if if you had stuff you wanted to tell me, whether I had seen it, spotted it, or come across it, I think you've actually seen more than me,
1: because how many shrines did you have? 68. Okay, I think we've probably done a similar amount then. It's not like I 100%ed it either. Neither of us has the DLC?
0: No. So, I think a lot of what I'm hearing is that by the end of it, the magic wears away, and it's not as remarkable as it was when, you know, you're in the first steps through the game.
1: Yeah, it becomes just another sandbox grind. I think the weapon durability
0: just starts to really, really great on you. So maybe more positive if we had sort of a chat about it halfway through or something, but it's fine.
1: No, I mean, I still really, really enjoyed it. I still think it was an excellent game. And I think it was a really good new direction for the series to take. I guess the interesting thing is that, well, from a design perspective... Because they didn't try and railroad you to do any one of the beasts before the others, maybe the elephant was easier to get to because it's the closest, but they don't force you to do any one of them first. And as a result, none of the beasts unlock any powers. And so the only things they can rely on you having are those four powers you get right at the very beginning of the game, which are mandatory. But that does mean that you've lost some of the exploration that came with the earlier Zelda games, where you would get an item from the dungeon and could use that in a subsequent dungeon. I mean, I do think they've been trying to experiment with some changes on this for a while, since A Link Between Worlds, which is the top-down Zelda on the 3DS, they tried to do away with having to do the dungeons in the specific order there as well, by having you rent the items or buy the items outright. But you could do any dungeon in any order there too. I don't know. I mean, the side effect of this just means that there's no difficulty curve as such. Because they can't expect you to go here and then make the game more difficult there. Everything kind of just is. Anyway, I thought it was an excellent game, but
0: there's still room for improvement. Do things like
1: Game of the Year mean anything to you?
0: Do you care about that kind of thing? You know what, actually?
1: 2017 has been a very good year for games. I'm trying to remember the last time there was a a year this good. Because like maybe like 1997, like whatever year Half-Life came out or Super Mario 64 came out and things. This year is shaping up to be a very good year because we've had Breath of the Wild. We're going to get Mario Odyssey, which we'll talk about in a bit. We've had, what, Divinity 2, 95, we'll talk about in a bit. We've had PUBG, my game of the decade at this point. <laughs> game of the century at this point. There's still plenty of time for something to overthrow it.
0: Yeah, it's shaping up to be a good year. Just wondering whether it'll hold up. Zelda, this is. Yeah, when people look back... Well, I,
1: I think it definitely is a turning point in the series. It's another Ocarina of Time in terms of its importance in the series' evolution, I would say.
0: Yeah, then it's going to do well. So, now I've finished Zelda, I've started Border's Gate 2 again, but this time it enhanced edition... So did you have to start again completely from scratch because your save game is not compatible? It really hurts me that you've asked me this question. I'm really hoping it's not compatible because I started again.
1: What are you playing as now? Still the same kind of character? Same
0: kind of character. Okay. So you're a fighter mage? Yeah, fighter mage. Dual
1: class? Multi-class? Dual class? Human? Elf? Elf. Then it must be multi-class. Sorry, this is getting into like... Asking all these questions I don't know. It's second, like ed- ed-
0: second edition D&D nerdery. It's like an interview here. What's your thacko? <laughs> I take it all back. I'm sure like there's been a year of podcasts where I've said, Oh, I'm going to play the original vanilla everything, original everything, you yeah, burn all remasters. Yeah. That is what you said. Yeah. I take it all back. Take it all back. This thing is genius. Fair play to beamdog. I'm not sure what the economics are behind all this, whether it's really worth their while. I hope it is that they've done an amazing job. It's funny because I haven't played Baldur's Gate 2 since
1: we did the podcast on it more than a year ago, I think. And I think that it has changed since I last played it. Because I know they released that expansion that had very mixed feedback. And I think a lot of the feedback was on ideological grounds rather than... Well, I don't know. For whatever reason, I didn't play it. But I heard that they actually significantly overhauled the engine again. So maybe what you're playing is even more polished than what I played.
0: I think they've changed the UI. Is yours a version 2 something?
1: Yeah, so mine wasn't, I don't think. I think I still had the original UI.
0: So UI's different, everything's slicker, everything looks prettier. Obviously, it's still a a game from 20 years ago, is that possible? Jeez. Almost. It's not quite 20 years ago. Things happen quicker, less button presses, things look prettier. And HD is such a big deal to me these days. I really want Galaxy to be remastered right at this moment. And something we mentioned before where you said, oh, if you played XCOM again, you have this sort of inbuilt knowledge that you can call upon. That's what's happening now with Baldur's Gate 2. It's not as painful as before. Everything isn't so overthought. It's funny,
1: but I actually had exactly the same experience. I can't remember I mentioned this when we did the podcast on Baldur's Gate 2 a long time back. But I also tried to play Baldur's Gate, the original, didn't get it at all and put it to one side came back to it a year later and really really enjoyed it but the first time I played it I just didn't get it it's right what you're saying with the strange intrinsic knowledge like it had to just sink in and given
0: my success with Border Skate 2 I really want to play Out of the Park Baseball 2007 because it's got 95 on Metacritic and I really believe I can learn baseball are you serious I hope that's a joke I downloaded it yesterday <laughs> what classic too. <day. laughs>
1: Wow, that's sticking to your guns. So 95 means you must finish it. I'm going to play a season of it. So you're just lucky that Steven Sausage Roll dipped under 95 again. I would have really played Steven Sausage Roll. That game was so hard. You know what? The retro games meetup. Last time I went and they were looking through my Steam connection, they were like, what's this Steven Sausage Roll? And I showed it to them and they're like, this game looks stupid. It's got terrible graphics. I was like, yeah, but it's really clever. They just didn't get it. They didn't get it at all. And I was trying to explain to them how clever it was. But I felt like I was trying to... It was like the most hipster discussion ever. I was like, oh no, you don't understand. You've got to look past the graphics. I was like, I didn't even believe this myself. I'm just saying it because Jonathan Blow likes it.
0: Knew there'll be Jonathan Blow <laughs> reference there. Yeah, it is a really clever
1: game, actually. It is really clever, but you have to put a lot into it. I put it down for a few months and... I'm completely lost again. It does have very smart moments, but I don't have time to dedicate to rolling sausages. You know, I've got to be a PUBG master.
0: How do you want to start? Where do you want to start? I put Final Fantasy 15 question mark. Final Fantasy 15 is shelved indefinitely again, thanks to PUBG. There was a moment, right? I
1: really wanted to pick it up. I really wanted to play it again because I bought it when it came out and then played an hour of it and didn't want to get too deep into it because I knew I was going to take off two weeks, and go back to the UK. This was last year. This was last year. So, I played, like, a couple of hours into it, but didn't want to get too deep into the story, because I'd, like, forget it all and get confused, whatever. So, put it down over Christmas.
0: Sound like I'm immortal.
1: (laughs) And then, once I had another quiet period at work, and I thought I might have some time to play games again, you know. So, picked it up, played a few more hours of it, watched Kingsglaive to understand what the hell was going on with the plot, etc.,
0: You stayed up all night, one night to watch Kingsglaive.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying I'm actually a sensible person. Anyway, then PUBG happened and I've not touched it since. So I think it's on the shelf indefinitely again. I think I'll probably have to play it again from scratch at this point. It's really funny because I was was really reluctant to start playing it because I knew it would be like 60 to 100 hours. And I refused to start The Witcher 3 because I know The Witcher 3 is like a 100 hour game. But I've now played almost 300 hours of PUBG, so just goes to show. It's the things that sneak up on you. Because I thought PUBG was going to be like 10 or 20 hours at most, I didn't expect to like it. That's why I was like, oh, it's fine just pick it up. And it's just become a monster that's consumed everything, whereas things I knew were going to be a major time sink, you know, I didn't want to start, but such is life. 300 hours of PUBG? Well, 278, technically. So, getting up to 300. In fact, you interrupted a game of PUBG today. I decided, oh, I've got time to play a game before Tin gets here. Uh, I played two really terrible solo games where I just potatoed. So, I saw the enemy before they saw me, popped out to shoot at them, and then just like died because my aim was terrible. And I was thinking, oh, jeez, what's happening? But then, played a duos game with a friend, eight kills, chicken dinner,
0: What's the official definition of potato?
1: I don't know where this term potato has come from. I don't know if it's a PUBG term or if it's just because of the people I'm hanging out with and it's one of their terms. Potato, like potato aim. You just—I don't know why it's potato. I, just, I have literally no idea. This doesn't make sense at all. It's just basically when you shoot at someone and miss, like every shot. It's like, oh, geez, I potatoed that.
0: So you've not set yourself up as a potato. It's not. The, it's not. That's not the
1: definition. No, it's just when you're really trying to hit someone and you completely fail, It's like when stormtroopers are like shooting each other and all the bullets are going around them perfectly. You know, just losing one-on-one fights. Anyway, so PUBG. Actually, what else should we say? My stats? Because I think I'm top 5% now for squads. In which region? Asia. So for Asia region, according to PUBGTracker.com, I am within the top 5%. I think my best ever rating was like, 4.3% or maybe even like 3.7% I don't know it got pretty high so my peak rating for squads was 2202 which is pretty good much better than I ever thought I would get to and it's kind of plateaued around there so
0: that's what we said at the beginning a thousand hours of intentional practice can get you everywhere
1: (laughs) I'm not even at a thousand hours yet I've still got 700 hours to go you see you should believe Take that negative mic. Take, take that. <laughs> take that negative mic. Okay, fine. Fine. Once I'm top 10 and have a Twitch partnership, you know, then I'll have made it. And then I can be like a painless Twitch streamer instead of a successful corporate <laughs> employee. You never know. Maybe I can have a sideline in business tips. Business tips with Ting and Mike. We should have a jingle for that. Business tips with Ting and Mike. No? Yes,
0: yes. Second <laughs> bar, please.
1: Anyway, PUBG. Still working on it. Getting better. Significantly better. Also, I tried Fortnite Battle Royale. I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of bad. But it is free, so I can't really complain. But it is kind of good. It's really funny to see that on paper, it ticks all the same... Boxes as PUBG. So you jump out of like an aerial vehicle, you have a parachute, you land on a large map, and there's a contracting circle of safety. But it's a completely different game and it's much less fun, in my opinion. But this might just be coming from the perspective of having played hundreds of hours of PUBG. The shooting feels really imprecise. There are times when you die and it feels like it wasn't your fault. There are times when you hit someone, it's like, I didn't expect to hit them. You know, it feels very just imprecise and arbitrary. There's a building mechanic, but it's very hard to use because you, you can build a fort and then have just to move again because of the circle. There's much of a strategy to it because you don't have to consider the plane's flight path, essentially. You can pretty much jump anywhere on the map because the parachuting phase is so much more forgiving. You're not really hiding. I don't know, I guess it's like PUBG Lite. I mean, it is just newly out, so there's probably lots and lots and lots of tuning they can do. I'm also quite interested in the actual Fortnite game itself, which is the PvE zombie horde survival thing. I can actually imagine that being really fun, because there you've actually explicitly got to build the fort against the horde. I mean, that is probably going to be really fun.
0: But the Battle Royale mode, could take it or leave it. You can take down anything, is that right? Yes, anything that's not... Yeah, you can just knock down all the houses in the game. Trees as well. That was a bit weird, I thought.
1: Yeah, you just bash everything down for materials. But there's just very little point to it at the moment.
0: Talking of Fortnite, the studio behind PUBG have put out a press release saying they're not best pleased about what Epic are doing with Fortnite. Sounds like it's just general corporate posturing. They're just annoyed. guess the question is, is a press release the right action to take?
1: It's just signalling. It's all just signalling. So they are signaling that they are willing to fight. And now they're worth $6.4 billion so they can. Which is another thing that came out, wasn't it? Their valuation. It is an interesting angle. So the press release in particular is more about kind of antitrust in the sense that Epic Games makes the Unreal Engine which powers PUBG and Fortnite. And so they're saying that you could imagine they might make enhancements to the engine that make it particularly suited to a Battle Royale game and then just not share those with Bluehole.
0: Or share them with everyone, which is the other problem.
1: Yeah. I think it's kind of disingenuous. I think it's kind of a non-issue. I think it's kind of a non-story. It's all just corporate posturing and nonsense, is my opinion. Especially since it's a bit rich talking about engine improvements that benefit Battle Royale games when PUBG is the most horrendously poorly optimised piece of garbage that I've sunk hundreds of hours of my life into. I heard some stat like the player model's mouth has more polygons than the plane because all of the assets are literally just bought off the Unreal Asset Store and, you know, not optimised at all. They're literally just like cut and pasted off the asset store and they've put together this amazingly fun game from, you know, just going into a shopping cart and buying off-the-shelf things None of them really go together very well. That's why it runs like a dog. That's why you need a supercomputer to play it. Fortnite, by comparison, runs incredibly well. I mean, you could probably play Fortnite on a calculator, but it's just not fun. So, hey-ho.
0: You've forgotten how good a job they've done in the short time they've had.
1: Yeah, they did throw it together in like a
0: week. (laughs) You have to buy stuff. You should blame the, the artist behind the models for putting so many polygons in the mouth.
1: You might be making a game where you want a lot of mouth polygons or something. You might be making a dental simulator. Did you ever think of this?
0: True. It's It's a truly model for everyone. Dental Simulator 2K17. So no one's right. No one's wrong.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion. Or I do have a strong opinion. I think it's stupid. I think it's a
0: pointless waste of everyone's time but at least it gave something for game journalists to write about. So the other item of note is that They've spun out a PUBG group within Blue Hole Studios. So it really is going to look like a service they're going to maintain for many years to come. It makes sense because PUBG's player base must now
1: eclipse basically all of their other properties by some margin. I remember when PUBG was slowly climbing up the ranks and people were going, oh, it's going to overtake Counter-Strike. It's going to overtake Dota. It's got basically like double the concurrent players now of Dota. It's It breached 1.6 million concurrent players the other day.
0: It's going to get to the place where it's greater than everything combined beneath it. It is insane how many
1: people are playing this game. I think it's probably already close to that. So, it makes sense for them to have spun it out. And yeah, I read 6.4 billion US dollars as their current
0: valuation as a result of PUBG. It's done amazingly well. Do you now wish you wrote or put together PUBG instead of Minecraft? Has it got to that stage?
1: No, no, no. Minecraft... I would still have rather have written Minecraft. I think Minecraft as a technical achievement and as a cultural touchstone is still the bigger thing. For now? For now. I can't imagine them teaching PUBG in schools. Can you imagine that? Ultimate it'd like, survival. It'd be like showing them Battle Royale. It's like, okay, class, now I'm going to drop you off on an island. Only one of you's coming back.
0: I watched Hunger Games yesterday. Kids are ready. Kids are ready to be educated. <laughs> in battle royale they're already reading about the thing right
1: (laughs) i'm just thinking back to like my school years imagine if you actually had like for your games lesson a battle royale games lesson i mean non-lethal obviously you can't really be doing that but (laughs) can you imagine if you know instead of like cross country like okay it's battle royale to give them all nerf guns foam baseball bats
0: our future could be like that That'd be amazing. (laughs) Can we close this PUBG chapter for today? Okay, let's shut the box in PUBG. Anything else? From Sir Mike. So YouTube's recommendation
1: algorithm showed me a let's play of a game called silicon zeros and i clicked on it and i was like oh another programming puzzle game interesting but you know i still haven't finished shenzhen io and then the guy doing like the overview of the game said oh yeah and it's made by some company called pleasing fungus i think they've made other kind of programming games in the past and i was just like oh, pleasing fungus because they made a flash game called manufactoria And Manufactoria was incredibly clever. I still remember over the time I played Manufactoria, the guy who made it, who I guess is Pleasing Fungus, making improvements to the game. Like it started out, you know, you had a few test cases and then randomized test cases and eventually some kind of crazy thing called the Malevolence Engine, which would analyze your solution and come up with a test case that, met the requirements of the puzzle but would break your solution and then being like I don't know how he's done it. He's clearly a genius. So this guy Pleasing Fungus is the company slash individual that made Silicon Zeros which is another programming
0: kind of puzzle game about making a CPU. Does this one come with a malevolence engine?
1: No, it's actually much more forgiving and it's got much nicer graphics and a kind of cutesy story about I think this was the case in the past where programming was seen as a women's job. It's really funny because obviously nowadays most programmers are male and you know, there's lots of problems in the industry about trying to attract women. But I think in the early days of the industry, it was the opposite and programming was seen as a woman's job. So in Silicon Zeroes, you play as a woman called Dana. And many of the other characters who are also, you know, helping you build the CPU are also women who have been like overlooked by other companies because they're women. And so the only good job they can get is at this computing firm. It's quite fun. I showed it to you a little bit before the podcast. I was just tearing through it like, oh, yeah, this is fun, random diversion, quite easy. And then I suddenly hit this level where they start to introduce a delay into all the circuits to make it more realistic, you know, in the real world. Computers are not actually just ones and zeros. Computers are made of real physical circuits that have real physical properties. And so depending on when you read it, it's not going to be a one or a zero, it's going to be something in between. And so for your circuit to be stable, you have to wait a certain delay for all the things to kind of so for the last set of puzzles, you have to start worrying about that, and the game has suddenly taken a turn into OMG, my brain is melting. It's a fun little diversion. It came out during September, I think.
0: But you'll keep going, right?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I think I've hit the point where I can't trivially do the puzzles anymore. We've not spent that much time with it. Not compared to PUBG. (laughs) It's a game to play on the side, I think. Not anymore. Not anymore. You're right, actually. Now it's a game to sit there staring at it for ages with a pen and paper going, hmm, hmm, need more latches. Need to grow a beard. (laughs) Need to grow a beard. I still wish they'd make an update of Manufactoria. I would really like it if they tarted up the graphics of Manufactoria and put that on Steam. Because that was a really really good game.
0: Send a message
1: over. Send. I should send a message over. Please please remake Manufactoria. Please let me remake Manufactoria. Also please tell me how the relevance engine works because I can't figure it out.
0: Please get me a graphics artist as well.
1: <laughs> please pay for this game to be made and just send me the profits. If you don't ask, you don't get. You never know. <laughs>
0: I'll help play test it at least.
1: I don't know. I'm trying to think what else I've done. I bought more games. I haven't played them. <laughs> I bought Tacoma. Tyranny. I bought Tyranny because it was 50% off. And I was like, oh, I really wanted this game. It's less than a tenner now. So I bought it. I don't know when I'm going to play. it. Tenner. Less than a tenner British pounds. Which is to say it was still like a 100 Hong Kong dollars. I also finally claimed my Divinity Original Sin 2 key because I've had that for ages because I backed it on Kickstarter, but I hadn't claimed the key until this week. Anyway, it's got 95 on Metacritic. At least as we're recording this podcast, it has
0: 95 on Metacritic. Who knows where it's going to go from here? It should settle there. There are so many YouTube videos about why this is the greatest CRPG of all time. Does this mean we have to play it? I have to play it. You don't have to play it. I'm going to play it at some point. Yes, then at some point we will play it. Book club game? Not the next one. Not the next one, but maybe later. Maybe the one after next for me.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: Will you play it even if it goes to 94? I might save myself the the pain. I'm going to just focus on Baldur's Gate 2. Okay, I guess you're allowed to do that. You can't rush these things. That's what I realised. There's no point picking it up only to rush through it. Yeah, well
1: this is the same thing I had with Final Fantasy XV, although I'm not sure that's deserving of a 95. Well it isn't. (laughs) There you go. For one of these games, you actually have to play it in a consolidated chunk. You can't dip in and out or you'll forget
0: what on earth's going on. I think that's especially the case for Original Sin 2. They're saying that the journal's not very good and it's so open-ended, it makes no attempt to railroad you into an action. It's very open to your... Interpretation.
1: It's funny though, because I played Divinity Original Sin One before they released the Enhanced Edition. And I totally did not follow the plot at all. The plot I was like, blah blah blah, end of the world, blah blah blah, Source Hunters, and I just completely didn't pay attention, which is really funny, because usually I really care about the plot, but was, the plot was just so generic, I just couldn't find anything in myself to just care about it at all. I was like, look at the number of fucks I gave, Zero. The combat system was really fun. I really enjoyed the combat system. So, I have heard that the story is much, much, much better this time around. So, we'll see. And the combat system was already excellent. So, perhaps that's why it deserves a 95. Oh, man, there's so many other things to buy (laughs) slash that we haven't bought yet that are coming around the corner. Golf story.
0: Oh, golf story. I didn't even know this existed until (laughs) this week. I didn't know this existed till
1: the week. this weekend. I was at work, minding my own business, when a chat window pops up from a colleague in London, and they just wrote out, Golf Story released today. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they just said, Golf Story. And I was like, this isn't helping. And I was like, okay, I'm going to Google Golf Story. And I came back five minutes later saying, yeah, I want to buy this game.
0: So I didn't even put this in the notes. I only said this to you in passing before we re- this recording. And I was like, golf story! So you've watched the trailer too? I've watched the trailer. It looks so funny. It just looks ludicrous. He's just hitting the ball at people and it, <laughs> and vehicles. It's a
1: golf RPG. I heard that it's like Harvest Moon slash Stargy Valley, but with golf instead of farming.
0: I can't understand why you'd be interested in a golf RPG.
1: Why would I not be interested in a golf RPG? Because you know I wanted to play Stardew Valley. And you know that I have played Harvest Moon. And I'm not really into farming either.
0: Oh, I thought you were more of a farmer than a golfer. I
1: think the thing that just made me want to play it was just how ludicrous it was. There's a bit towards the end of the trailer where he's just like throwing hundreds of golf balls. And there's like, there's the green. He's just covered in golf balls. And he just keeps pulling more golf balls out of his pocket and like throwing them. <laughs> It's like, any game that lets me do this is a game I want to play. <laughs> I have no idea if it's any good. I've read no reviews, but it looks hilarious.
0: Two nines out of tens, and they're recommended from Eurogamer.
1: Pretty good, pretty good. I was thinking I might buy it before I go to the UK at Christmas. You know, I'll have no PC, I'll just have the Switch. So, something to play over the break. But before that, before that, yeah, you're right. Will I really play Golf Story? Because
0: I'll be playing Super Mario Odyssey. Why are you so positive on this? What's happened? I'm not sure about this. You're not sure. I'm not sure. It's really odd, actually,
1: because I'm really, really confident that Super Mario Odyssey will be
0: 95 plus. Did you not play Sunshine? Sunshine was excellent. <laughs> What's wrong with Sunshine? I actually, I, I. That's not fair. That's not fair. Other people don't like Sunshine. I quite like Sunshine. I thought Sunshine was really good. It is
1: a 3D Mario game that has more in common with Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine. It's going to be a kind of sandboxy, adventure Super Mario game and less of a linear get-to-the-flagpole Super Mario game. I worry about consistency. But it's embracing its inconsistency. It doesn't have a consistent art style. It's just
0: ludicrous. There's a freaking T-Rex that you can throw a hat on. And then that's the other thing I was worried about is How can you have a control scheme that maps well to all these creatures? Because, you know, Mario will always control well. How painful would it be if it could be to control the T-Rex? I don't
1: foresee this as a problem at all. I don't know. It's just nothing that's even remotely crossed my mind. Okay, I mean, it's coming out at the end of the month? Yeah. I will be shocked
0: if it's a bad game. Costumes, though. Have you seen this? Have you... you yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the costumes. Uh, I want some costumes. <laughs>
1: We've got, like, exactly opposite desires for this game. It's like, yeah, it's just a waste of time with these stupid costumes. And you're like, costumes? Cosmetics?
0: Cosmetics.
1: Oh, f- We're millennials. We want identity. Oh, jeez. You know what? I mean, despite having said this, I, you know what? I'm going to open the PUBG box just a tiny peek and mention... Did you know I spent real money on PUBG... I spent real money to buy myself a suit jacket in PUBG to look dapper while I shoot people. This is what this game has done to me. Costumes, then. So, yes, costumes. You're right. I do appreciate it, after all. Oh, how sad. I discovered I'm a millennial at heart, after all.
0: Any more for any more?
1: Do you want to make predictions about Super Mario Odyssey's Metacritic score?
0: 95. Yeah, I think 95. So we're playing it, then. Yeah. But you we you can't wait, so we can't play it slow. We can't slow play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be like Breath of the Wild. we we'll just pick up. What did Breath of the Wild get, actually?
1: I don't even remember. I didn't pay attention to Metacritic. I think it settled, think it settled
0: on 96. Okay. Anyway. One last thing The Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer came out recently. You looking at me expectantly like you want me to say something. But that, that that's unfair because I only watched it maybe an hour ago.
1: It's funny, but I don't really get hyped for rockstar games. Like, I didn't buy GTA V when it came out. I've still never played GTA four, despite owning it on Steam for a long, long time. But then I bought it on sale, you know. I am i don't know, I'm just not really hyped. I did enjoy Red Dead Redemption, but I still don't really feel a burning desire to play RDR2 on release.
0: I share your sentiment. I think
1: if I were to start playing it I would really enjoy it but I weirdly don't feel like I really want to play it if that makes sense like Super Mario Odyssey I'm really looking forward to I want to buy it ASAP and play it straight away RDR 2 I could leave it a year or two or three or four or five and just play it at some point
0: okay but let's talk about the trailer first okay fine (laughs) So what do you have to say about it? So it looks like the main protagonist is the new character called Arthur Morgan. And it, it looks like it's a prequel. There are two protagonists which are from the gang you were a member of it from the first game. So there's Dutch.
1: And Bill Williamson.
0: But there are a couple of... Obviously, as with all Rockstar games, there are more characters to add to the three. There looks to be a focus on the, the gang activities, the heist, no doubt. I think that's going to be the main narrative i guess actually that's a good point because this is an rdr that is
1: post gta 5 so the character switching mechanics of gta 5 and the heist planning of gta 5 are these things that they will bring to rdr2 i have no idea if this has been mentioned at all because i've really not been following it
0: no it's not been mentioned but that's the path they have to take
1: yeah, I'm really curious how it's going to pan out, because I did really enjoy RDR once we played it.
0: From an evolution of that franchise, that could be very interesting.
1: Do you think that the character switching mechanic of GTA V added to the game? Yes,
0: but I couldn't tell you what how much
1: of that was novelty. I did enjoy the heist planning as well, but I, it, again, it's like a, the illusion of control. I don't think like your heist planning decisions actually made that much difference to the game, but they felt like they did.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what hidden game mechanics were in play for the heists. And we still never played the multiplayer heists.
1: We always had like the wrong number of people, didn't we? We needed four people. We only had three. Sad times. Random game design topic. Hidden game mechanics. This was a really popular tweet. Yes, it was. So someone I'd never heard of tweeted it, and it was then retweeted by every developer under the sun. So the tweet was, Hey Game Dev, tell me about some brilliant mechanics and games that are hidden from the player to get across a certain feeling. There were loads of replies. It's interesting, actually, not all of them are answering the original question, per se. But they're all essentially non-obvious mechanics.
0: Somewhat obvious, I thought.
1: Okay, fine. Well, we can agree to disagree. They didn't feel very hidden.
0: But were you genuinely surprised by some of these? Or just interested? No doubt they were interesting to you, but were you surprised by any? Yeah, some of them definitely surprised me. Some definitely surprised me. I was just like, wait, what? This is a thing?
1: Well, we'll get to that. So we've each picked three since there were just
0: so many. We'll just alternate. I think that's fair. Okay, so you first. This one is the obvious one, I thought. In Half-Life 2, the ledges and railings have ragdoll magnets so that the enemies will fall over them all. Did you ever notice that, Whilst playing Half-Life 2, did you not find it quite jarring?
1: I don't remember this at the time, but it's... Did you notice this at the time then? You yeah. actually thought, like, I'm shooting this guy and he's getting, like, vacuumed over the
0: railing. All the time. They're always going over the railing. <laughs> okay, so this is what you're saying it wasn't subtle. No.
1: <laughs> I don't remember this, to be honest.
0: My magnets were too strong in my <laughs> in, in my version.
1: No, I... jeez. Oh, Half-Life 2, they leaned way too hard on the physics, if you ask me. So I can definitely believe this is true. I don't remember it being particularly jarring, but I do remember lots and lots and lots of situations where people could fall off things, so I can you know, I can definitely believe they wanted to show it off. Interesting. Go on, what's yours? I'm going to pick my most inappropriate one first, just to get it out of the way, because I realised this isn't really about getting across a certain feeling, but I thought it was just a very clever design choice. So, in Halo, at the very start of the game, you get unfrozen, you step out your cryopod, and they tell you to look up. And if you push up on your stick, then your controls are not inverted. And if you push down your stick, then it inverts your y-axis. I mean, it's a very common player preference in an FPS to want your view either inverted or not inverted. I personally play not inverted, but there are some people who just always
0: play inverted and find it really unnatural to play. You have to unfriend those people. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry, that's not me. That's not me at all. So I thought this is a very clever way of making the game just flow
1: naturally. I mean, I guess it ge- is getting across a feeling of immersion. You know, you don't have to break the flow of look up and then you push down, you look down and you're like, oh, geez, Get options, Options. invert, y-axis. You know, it's keeping you in the moment. It's very clever. Your turn.
0: Now, oh, this one's a really long one. I'm sure other games do this as well and not just Silent Hill Shattered Memories. This one removed one physical sense of an AI every time you respawned in a nightmare run. Slow down enemies if you looked over the shoulder and only two enemies were allowed to chase you at once while the rest had to flank you. So I'm sure all games will hamper or hinder the AI to help the, the play character in some way. So I think in Half-Life 1, I don't know if this is true or not, only two enemies would attack you if there were more than two on the screen and the other two would run and shout that they were flanking you over the radio. Otherwise, it's, you'll get overwhelmed very easily.
1: It is quite a common thing in games to do this, I guess. I know Assassin's Creed is the same thing. There'll be like a whole bunch of soldiers that attack you, but they all then take their turn. The rest of them just kind of like stand around you threateningly.
0: It makes perfect sense. And I trust, I believe in the illusion too much. Like, i like, might shitting myself because they're all around me, but the reality is they're not really. They are really all around me, but they're not acting as if they are.
1: Have you played Silent Hill Shattered Memories? No. Okay. It was just that it was the exemplar for this technique? Yes. Okay.
0: Do you play games expecting this?
1: It is funny, as someone who's played a lot of games, the things that you pick up on consciously or subconsciously. So, yes, this kind of mechanic, I think this is what feels fair, I guess and maybe you're not consciously aware of it until you play a multiplayer game, that, you know, the AI is giving you a chance. Real people don't behave like this. The real world is not like this. In the real world, everyone's going to try and shoot you all at the same time. So my next one, Suikoden, which is an RPG that I might be pronouncing incorrectly. On the world map, if you are walking in a straight line, the game infers that you're trying to get somewhere and gives you fewer random encounters. Whereas if you're zigzagging and walking around in a wobbly way, the game assumes that you're trying to grind, and will give you more encounters. I guess you haven't really played any kind of JRPGs, so this isn't something you have an innate sense about. Whether
0: I have to grind or not, whether I'm
1: grinding or not. Well, not so much about whether you have to grind or not, but like the annoyance. Like, there are times when you're playing the game, and you just want to get through the story, like, you know, you're really you're really enjoying the story, you just want to get to the next bit. You're like, okay, I need to get this town. And then you might have like 15 random encounters or it's like two in the morning, you just want to see the next bit of the story and you're like, oh, for goodness sake, please no more random encounters. Whereas there are other times when you need to beat a boss and you need, you know, you need more XP and then you want the random encounters. So this seems like quite an elegant way of getting the best of both worlds to keep your player engaged, to make them feel like they're enjoying the game. The game is helping them get what they want out of it. I thought this was very smart. I don't know if other games do this. Like, I don't know if, like, say, Final Fantasy Seven VII or Eight or Nine, that have a world map, you know, behave the same way. I don't think I've actually ever played Sweedern. I'm not sure it was ever released in Europe, but
0: I think it might be another one of those.
1: <laughs> your next one, or your last one?
0: See, this one's relevant for a lot of Games. It's like a ju- the general one where your last bit of health is worth a bit more than it looks. Or when your health is low, your, your, the damage you do is more than the default amount of damage. I thought this was very elegant because you have this like, um, near miss feeling a lot more than you should. Yeah. I guess it amps up the tension. Trying to think what other games
1: do this. And there's definitely another example of it where you can never be killed in one hit. It's something like if you've got like three hit points and someone hits you that hit will always reduce you to one. Like, you'll never actually die unless you're on one hit point. That might be a buff in a particular game. I mean, that's making it a much more overt game mechanic. But it's the same kind of feeling to, you know, to up the tension and to kind of make it feel like you've got a chance or to help you claw back from the edge, I guess. It's funny, I wonder how you'd code it. Like, I wonder how you balance that.
0: That's okay. You get that balance is another stage in the cycle in itself. It's
1: kind of funny about how these things do or don't manifest as well. So, like, even in Undertale, randomly, as an aside, in the first boss fight with Toriel, you can't actually die. Like, you can get taken down to, like, one or two hit points, but then after that, all of Toriel's attacks will actually try and miss you. I don't know if you noticed that. We might have talked about it.
0: Man, that was just such a weird boss fight.
1: That was just a weird game. It's just the
0: weird as boss fight. I don't remember trying to understand it. I, was just, I, was, I just let it be and let it happen to me.
1: I think that's a great way to experience the whole game. Okay, anyway. My last one. This one, I can't believe it's actually true. But if it is true, I think this is kind of nuts. So apparently, Gears of War provided significant buffs to new players in multiplayer. And those buffs tapered off after they got a few kills. This seems mad to me. Because multiplayer is all about having a fair playing field. It's cheating, essentially. You're a cheater. You're a dirty cheater. You know?
0: The counter was that they, they had the stats to back up the fact that if you didn't get any kills after X games, you would drop out of the multiplayer experience altogether. I don't know. I just Making it a
1: hidden mechanic just seems such a strange thing to do.
0: You want people to kill. You know, as a hardcore competitive shooter player. You want new blood all the time. You want them in. You want them through the door. You don't want everyone getting good. (laughs) It's like fresh meat. (laughs) I don't know. It just seems unbalanced to me.
1: It just seems kind of wrong.
0: But it's such a small percentage of the population at, at a time. After maybe 10 kills and they're done. That's it. Of the, You know, the hundreds or thousands of kills they're going to get in their lifetime. I can justify it. I don't know why. I am
1: i don't know. I'm just so surprised. I mean, the thing is that it's a very interesting concept, because I don't think you would notice it. You just write it off as beginner's luck. But it's literal beginner's luck. You know, they, they're really giving you that luck. It's very strange. I, I just thought it was a really interesting one, but not one that I would condone still. Especially if your stats are at stake. Because my stats stick, yeah. It's funny, because I actually did play Gears of War multiplayer on Xbox 360 back in the day. And you didn't have any beginner's luck? Well, no, 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 I probably did. I just have no... I just didn't realise this was a system they had in effect. But maybe that's why I played it. Because, you know, I never really played competitive multiplayer shooters until PUBG. So, it's surprising that I did play the Gears of War multiplayer. But maybe this is why, because I thought I was a badass. But really, I was just getting beginner buffs. You know, I was just getting pity victories. This is terrible. I have to reevaluate my whole life.
0: They could fix the matchmaking, really.
1: Well, that is the more conventional way to do it, to match you with potatoes.
0: I guess they don't know who who are the potatoes if everyone's on zero. Yeah, well, there's always like a bit of a
1: wibbly-wobbly start period, where they don't really know where to place you for your first few matches. But this is a common problem in every multiplayer game with MMR.
0: And I guess that's the reason
1: they they buff you. Yeah, I'm just surprised. You know, how do other games deal with it? You've got, isn't there like a death streak now in COD, where after you have a certain number of deaths, it gives you a buff as well? I don't know, it's been so long since I played COD multiplayer. I don't know. I, it's funny, because I, I do kind of see the point, but it just seems like a really weird way to go about it. But, you know, I can appreciate that as someone who's tried to play Counter-Strike, it drops you in there. The other people have been playing it for hundreds of hours because it's been, a, you know, it's a game that's been around for how long now? A long time, more than a decade, right? Yes. And you're playing in D Dust 2, which is a map that all these people know better than the back of their hand. And it's just so frustrating because, you know, someone shot me in the toe with an orb and I died and I'd be like, mm-hmm. so. I guess, to try and avoid those moments.
0: Anyway, there you go. Are there any other honourable mentions that you really want to throw in there? Do you have one? I'm okay. No, I think I'd just be listing them off.
1: Well, I mean, there's the original tweet, and I'll also link to the Reddit thread where a lot of them are collated.
0: So, read through them at your leisure. does make me respect gameplay you know, the, the whole concept of gameplay programming and getting that feel right, it's not a case of just slapping things onto the screen and it'll just work out. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. Please leave a review. Oh, definitely. You never know, it might help. You.
1: <laughs> really? How's that going <laughs> to... How's that, thing We haven't thought this through. <laughs> It'll certainly help us. You can find us on email.
0: Ting at LostLevels.Club On Twitter. At LostLevelsClub On YouTube. As LostLevelsClub On Twitch.
1: Also as LostLevelsClub, where I'm streaming my PUBG... Practice?
0: LostLevels.Club is our website. That's it. That is it. What's Sir Michael grateful for? I'm grateful that there's two
1: public holidays this week. I don't have to work a three day week. Woohoo! Hang on, wait, what are you grateful for?
0: Ultrasonic glasses cleaner thing. <laughs> I'm grateful for my cleaner glasses. Okay, fair enough. So Michael says bye. Bye bye.